Hey everybody, it's Yamin, and I'm back with another episode of our Green Deal podcast to see how European people are tackling the challenges of the Green Deal transition to a more climate-friendly life. And this time with a journalist from our European radio network, we looked at the sharing economy with one question, is a problem shared or problem halved? Maybe you need a chainsaw to chop down that dead tree in your garden or a fancy outfit to wear to a gala or a snowsuit for your skiing holiday. Do you go out and buy these specialist items that may be used no more than once? Small children are regularly told that sharing is caring and it appears that this philosophy is now gaining ground among adults in the EU. The so-called sharing or collaborative economy with its rental possibilities allows goods to be used more efficiently money to be saved and waste to be reduced. Co-founder of Materialivoch, a platform that enables people to trade surplus materials online, tells our colleague Macht from Estonia's Kukus Radio why she's convinced this is the way forward. Kui ma nüüd luban enda ellu ainult need asjad, mida ma päriselt tahan, et seal oleks, mul on päriselt õige arv, ma ei tea... First of all, I only let things that I really need into my life. Forks and plates that I use for years or even decades. The same goes for clothes, to only surround yourself with things that bring you joy. Another element of this is fixing things. This is very important. Wear and tear is normal with use, so if things wear out or break, it should be normal to fix them. And thirdly, sharing. If you want to go skiing again, you do not need to buy new skis. You should borrow them from your friends. Similarly, there would be a big shift in society's values if we accepted the principle of buying second-hand electronics. Digitally empowered services such as car sharing or electric scooter schemes are perhaps the best known example of the sharing economy. Indeed, car sharing or carpooling is commonly touted as an excellent way of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. Cambio is a car sharing company that operates in several EU countries, including Belgium and Germany. Our colleague Sina, who works for German broadcaster AMS, asked the company spokesperson Arne Franke about Cambio's objectives. He explained that the key goal of the scheme is to reduce our overall reliance on cars. Despite limitation to mobility, the transport sector is still responsible for a large proportion of Europe's greenhouse gas emissions. Primarily individual transport, in other words, everyone using their own car. Climate neutral or shared options, such as public transport, are preferable. Carpooling is therefore a step in the right direction. Concept works best when carpooling is used in urban traffic-free zones. That is, when alternatives such as buses, trains, cycling or even walking are used as well. Carpooling works best when there are enough alternatives for you not to have to rely on your own car. This may seem strange at first, but it makes perfect sense. Because the more alternatives to your own car you use, the more environmentally friendly transport becomes. And Andrea Poggio, head of mobility at Legambiente, an Italian environmental NGO, told Giulia Trado 24 that he can certainly see signs that people between the ages of 25 and 50 are more predisposed not only to car sharing, but to using real mixture of transport methods, both personal and public. Pojo stresses that cars will continue to have a place, but that their numbers could be slashed. Citing the example of Italy, where there are 39.5 million cars registered, 
more than people with driving licenses, he outlines his vision for a car light, if not a car-free future. E quindi possiamo ipotizzare persino un'Italia con 18 milioni di automobili. Se lo utilizziamo... Today we drive our cars barely 12 or 13,000 kilometers each year. This is because we have a lot of cars, but we do not use them much. If we could use them to cover 20,000 kilometers a year, just a little bit more, like we used to in the past, then even with just 80 million cars, we could reach a total of 700 billion kilometers. In other words, 80% of today's passenger mobility needs. We can do this with less than half of the cars we have today. Clearly, we cannot solve traffic problems when we all need to go to the same place at the same time. But try to imagine how our city streets would look with less than half of the cars on them. Cars that today spend 94% of their time parked at the side of the road. A circular economy based on newer cars, halved in numbers and used more intensively, is a more interesting proposition. This would cost families less, produce fewer emissions and occupy a lot less space, while still protecting the car market, because shared vehicles are changed more often and guaranteeing everybody the same ability to move around as they have now. Tutti la stessa mobilità a zero emissioni e occupando molto meno spazio. Yet the mere sharing of vehicles is not enough. As Christionas Kaikaris, the head of the Baltic car sharing company CityB, in a discussion with Auguste at Lithuania's Rinjuradias. Businesses in this field need to go further and provide increasingly sustainable vehicles with a fleet of electric cars, the ultimate goal. Studies have shown that one shared car replaces 10, even 12 private individual cars. As a result, there is less congestion, there are significantly fewer cars on the road, and, of course, this means lower CO2 emissions. But if you look at car sharing services, a lot of attention is also paid to providing modern, newer cars. A new car is more sustainable, its engine is greener. Of course, not all users of shared services do so for ideological, climate or sustainable lifestyle reason. The cheaper and more convenient the service, the more attractive it is. This is what makes e-scooters the go-go transport choice for increasing numbers of people, explains Andrius Pasevicius, the director of mobility company Bolt. But as he tells our Lithuanian colleague Auguste, even if people choose e-scooters for other reasons, well, they are still moving towards a more ecological lifestyle. Maybe the most important thing is not why a person chooses a particular vehicle. It's great if people do it consciously, wanting to be greener and planet-friendly, but affordability is also very important. If the price is right, if the service is convenient, if there is an e-scooter on hand, then instead of driving their own car and contributing to all the problems, someone can jump on an e-scooter and get to work just as easily. It's a win-win situation and our cities will become greener and cleaner. Shared mobility contributes to the circular economy which optimizes the use of goods and products. But the circular economy is by no means limited to this domain. Instead, as we have highlighted in previous podcasts, it is a model of production, of consumption, 
that involves the sharing, renting, reusing, repairing, refurbishing and ultimately recycling of a wide range of materials and products. In Brussels, RTBF journalist Miriam met Olivier Bays, co-founder of a tool library named Tournevis, a play on the French word tournevis, which means screwdriver, and the words tourne and vie, or revolving life. Like a regular library, users pay an annual subscription for access to a whole collection of shared tools, as well as advice and workshops generally provided by a network of volunteers. The founder of Tournevis believed that there should be a tool library in every local area. Bayes, who is also an assistant to a Green MEP in the European Parliament, tells us how this project came about. On s'est dit, OK, il y a pas mal de gens qui veulent faire des choses chez eux, mais ils dépendent de, soit de la location assez chère ou des points de vente plutôt bon marché. We thought there are lots of people who want to do things at home, but they rely either on rental tools, which are quite expensive, or on cheap outlets where the tools they buy are of poor quality and underused. We want our resources to be used as much as possible. Let me give you an example. In fact, I'll show you a machine. This was our very first machine, actually. It's a circular saw. The first machine we bought, second hand. It was broken, so we fixed it ourselves. And then we lent it out, 141 times. So it's unbeatable efficiency in terms of resources. In general, in commercial rental outlets, I think these tools are used seven or eight times at most before they are replaced, and that's why they are so expensive. So instead of forcing people to buy tools, we want to give them access to them. This way, people will pay less, and we will also save the planet. That's the idea behind this approach. We realized that the market was not able to offer this possibility. So we said to ourselves, let's get together as citizens, pull our money, and also our skills and our time. Even food can be shared, adds in Poland Agnieszka Bielska, who was speaking to Polskie Radio journalist Katarzyna. Bielska created Jadbodzielnia, a food sharing initiative in Poland. Przede wszystkim nasz ruch działa po to, żeby utrwalić taki nawyk dzielenia się. Czyli pierwsza myśl, jeśli mamy First of all, our movement works to encourage the habit of sharing. If we have too much food and it's not possible to preserve it or use it in some way, let's try to make it easier to share it. If you have guests who are going out, you can give them some food to take away. This is home food sharing. There can also be stairwell food sharing, workplace food sharing or neighborhood food sharing, as we're trying to do. The important principle is that we share what we cannot eat ourselves, but we often lack the energy, inspiration and processing capacity to do anything about it. Usually it's people who are in need who, are, who use our food sharing points. But there are often students too. Anyone can come and eat this food. Our mission is to share everything with everyone. The point here is that food is not simply wasted. And this habit of sharing becomes permanent. It's also great that in this project people in need get discreet help so they are not stigmatized. Not only does the sharing economy offer significant environmental and financial advantages, but it also fosters solidarity and cooperation, particularly among young people. This is what Miroslav Yudmilov, a master's student in economics in Sofia, found out. He describes these advantages to Jordanka at BNR. 
The sharing economy is a challenge for young people. It does not only have an economic aspect, it also has a social presence. It allows you to make contacts, communicate, create new partnerships, create work opportunities that nobody expected, and lots of ideas, creativity and shared creativity. Aware of all these benefits, the EU is looking at ways to further encourage the development of these types of innovative services, notably those enabling the borrowing of goods. Ensuring adequate protection for both consumers and service providers is a challenge, though. Not least because this service model requires a radical shift in legal and economic thinking. Paolo Fonseca, a lawyer at Portuguese consumer organization DECO, tells Cristina, or Radio Renascença colleague, that Portuguese consumers still face many obstacles in the circular economy. There are still many barriers for the consumer as things evolve administrative barriers, barriers in terms of access, what consumers can do. I think that's a challenge for all of us, for DECO in particular. Consumers today are experiencing these kind of changes and they're going to need someone to help them deal with them. And this is the case across the EU, where regulation needs to be put in place quickly and coherently. But this is more complex than you might think. It will also necessarily slow down the pace of change, as Veselin Liev, who is responsible for international economic cooperation at the Bulgarian Chamber of Commerce, tells Jordanka. Actually, the main reason the sharing economy is flourishing is mostly the complete lack of regulation. Europe is not at all leading the field here. The leading countries are in Asia. Until a few years ago, Bulgaria was in the top 10. But now COVID has changed things. Regulations are few and far between, which makes the process appealing. On the other hand, though, the sector does need regulating. Jagna Hojnik, a legal expert at Slovenia's University of Maribor, has conducted in-depth research into the sharing economy. She told our colleague from RTV Slow that for smaller countries such as Slovenia, regulation at EU level is key. Some of the world's biggest platforms have appeared in Slovenia, causing regulatory changes on how to deal with them. Because we're a small EU member state, there are even more challenges. It's more difficult to establish a dialogue, so there is a need for a European approach in this regard. If the European Commission, Parliament and Council take this on, it will be easier to get interlocutors. The sooner these big multinationals know that something is being taken seriously, which could perhaps give rise to significant problems operating in the European market, the easier it will be. On the other hand, the EU institutions are constantly having to justify why they should be regulating something. Member states do not give up these powers so easily. We have seen this, for example, with taxi services, which are regulated not only at a national level, but also at a municipal level. Major questions remain unanswered, including who is responsible for paying and collecting taxes associated with consumption of these services, and how to convince insurers to cover private yet shared goods. And although cross-border collaborative platforms should logically help service providers to supply services outside their home countries, Current rules are organized along national or even really local lines and are often contradictory. 
Over the coming years, the EU will need to work to harmonize these rules while respecting local prerogatives and needs. Moreover, collaborative economy workers will need increased social protection and the role and responsibilities of digital platforms will have to be clarified. So the growth of this new economy will certainly not be without friction, especially given the challenges it poses to certain traditional economic sectors. But all things considered, it is the way forward. Next time on Euronet Plus's Green Deal podcast, can we trust politics to save the planet? Stay tuned.